This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Emmers, CPA with Parmels and Associates. I promised myself and you, the listeners, that I would never talk about the ERTC program again. But here we are. However, just this week, a couple big things have come from the IRS, which is never really good. The first is they are going to be pausing. They're placing a moratorium on all new employee retention tax credit claims until the end of the year. And apparently, audits have already begun. So that's exactly what we're going to talk about this week. Before we get into that, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. Hey, did you know Napa Tracks has on-site training plus six days a week support? It all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business and how you run it. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Let us prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Visit them online at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. If you're looking for a full service staffing solution that does everything from sourcing, qualifying, creating job descriptions, scheduling interviews to negotiating job offers, Promotive is your answer. Visit them online at gopromotive.com. So we've been talking about ERTC. I'm sure you've heard about ERTC from friends. Maybe you've taken it. It's everywhere. There's billboards on it. There was a reference in the article that I was reading about this today that we're even advertising in the billboards of the Met Stadium. And I've talked about this. It's probably the number one topic in all of the tax seminars that I go to, just as far as how wacky that whole world has gotten. Now, I'm not going to get into the details of ERTC. That horse has been beaten a good bit. If you want to learn more about it, if you search ERTC, I did some episodes, man, a while ago, probably about last summer or so, maybe last fall when they updated this stuff. But go ahead and take a look at that. Now, to just do a little bit of thousand foot view on this, the general idea of this program is there's a number of different ways to qualify for the employee retention tax credit. Some of them are pretty cut and dry. Sales are down this amount. Great, do it. And don't even think twice about it. If you have the sales decrease that they're looking for on this, the IRS is probably not even going to bat an eye at that because that part about this credit is extremely cut and dry. Pretty much everything else on there is not. Because you're trying to write a law, which in this one is a credit, but it's still written by Congress, and encapsulate every single situation for every single kind of business out there. And inevitably, just like our tax laws, you create loopholes, you create gray areas, you create misunderstandings about this, and honestly, just a ton of misinformation. Now, you add that on top of a massive amount of money for this credit. Talk about the biggest credit ever in history. Most tax credits are $1,000, $3,000. I think the most my client has ever gotten is like $2.4 million. It's huge, big time money. Now, anytime you start talking about or throwing around that kind of money, people start doing some kind of strange things. And also, a lot of these companies that are doing this are charging a percentage. So do you think that these companies have a vested interest to get you more or get you less? And then the last thing on this that one of my clients even brought up to me was Hunt. I've never in my life seen something where a lot of accounting firms aren't even touching this credit whatsoever, and these are be done by completely third-party independent people. Now, there's some other credits out there which are a little bit more obscure and maybe a little bit more complicated that a lot of companies don't do, and there's companies that solely, exclusively 
just do that credit because it's very hard to do. This is not really the case. Now, I know some accountants and there's some firms out there just said, we don't even want to mess with that. I don't know what it is. I don't want to learn how to do this stuff. And a lot of times those are pretty small firms. Hey, we have a wheelhouse. There's a lot of people out there doing ERTC. We're not going to step into that field. Let's focus on what we do. A lot of people also had moral obligations against it or more objections against it or didn't really feel right. Now, I think to completely say, hey, we're not touching this for any of our clients is really a disservice because there is a lot of legitimate ways to do this. And this is part of what we get paid to do is be professionals and make sure that we can help out our clients. I even heard about this back when PPP was happening. One of my new clients, still client now, I remember them call me up and the first question I said was, hey, why are you looking for a new accountant? He says, because I went to do PPP. I thought I was going to lose my business. And I called him up to get some pretty basic information. He had watched some of my videos that I've done filling out the PPP application. And he was like, I was able to figure it out based on your video. I just needed a couple of reports from them or clarification. And they pretty much told me, hey, this has anything to do with PPP. We're not talking to you about it. And he felt really alone and really hung out to dry of, hey, I've been your client all these years and never really asked you for much. And now when I'm really stressed out and really need you and trying to fill out this P, you don't give me any information. So there's a time and place. You're, any accountant out there can do whatever they want. I wouldn't appreciate if someone said, hey, you need to do this because we said so. But really the ultimate goal here or my ultimate goal is to make sure I'm taking care of my clients, make sure I'm educating my clients. And making sure that we can be a one-stop shop for as much as we possibly can. We are experts in accounting and tax for the automotive industry, but there's a lot of stuff where we don't claim to be experts on. And again, we're a small business. We don't have the manpower to know everything. Now, for our clients, we do the employee retention tax credit if it does have the revenue decrease on it. The other ways to qualify for this, while there is legitimate ways to do this, it does take a lot more work on there. Because the revenue decrease is cut and dry. Did you have the revenue decrease? If you go supply chain interruption, that's almost like a dark art. And that's a little bit tongue in cheek because some of this dark art is just, hey, these guys are making this stuff up. Now, even for a shop, there is legitimate ways that you can qualify for this. If you go down and look at the right things, the IRS gives you the rules and regulations on this. Now, how strictly people are being to those rules and regulations is the hard part here. Now, to go back to it and where this is all stemming from is this was a press release done by the IRS. And the IRS has thrown a couple of these out about ERTC for probably the last two years since they've done this credit. And those have all been pretty benign. Hey, guys, that's not how the IRS talks. It's probably the exact opposite of of the formality of that one. But essentially saying, hey, we know this credit's out there. We know a lot of you guys are taking it. Be careful. Make sure you're following the rules. If not, there could be trouble. Now. I wish the IRS could just shoot it to us straight and tell us like that. I obviously paraphrased that, but it's more or less what they said. This has been brewing for a while in my industry, right? Just the private CPA industry, as well as from the government side. Everyone looked at this and said, man, you guys created an absolute stinker of a program here, right? Of course, this is going to be abused. It's massive. It's at a time where inflation is record high. No one has any money. Businesses are still struggling. And you're handing out this stuff like candy. A lot of people can't help themselves. And then you throw a predatorial credit mill on top of this is where this has really ratcheted things up. Flash forward to today or later or earlier this week when they sent out this press release. And it's pretty unique. 
the IRS generally doesn't do stuff like this on this magnitude. They will send out these kind of red alert notices, but it's usually like on more obscure tax positions. None of you guys probably would even have been affected by it. And most people would not even really know what they were talking about unless you are a CPA and say, oh, I know what that is. And now a lot of times when you see those, hey, just so you know, you guys can't do this. We're really cracking down. Most CPAs look at that and say, whoa, there's people doing that, right? It's that bad. So when the IRS comes out and puts one of these red alert notices out for a very mainstream thing, I think just that alone should really speak volumes of how serious the IRS is. Napatrax was built from the ground up to make your business more profitable and efficient. They provide an extensive set of tools to increase and track profitability in real time. Napatrax offers the industry's best wholesale support hands down. They train your people on site. Yes, on site. They also offer remote refresher training 10 times a week and customer support is open six days a week. Give them a call, visit them, or join our Facebook community today to learn more. They'll prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Napatrax is always customized and tailored for your business, whether you're a one-man shop or a large multi-bay or multi-location company. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Visit us on the web at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Is your recruitment process draining your valuable time and resources? What if there was a partner who could take your recruitment efforts off your plate? Look no further. Promotive is your ultimate solution for hassle-free staffing focused solely on the motive industry. On the web at gopromotive.com. Promotive understands the challenges you face when searching for the perfect technician or service advisor for your shop. That's why we developed a platform that takes the hassle out of recruiting. Michelle Tanzi from Euroclinic said, I am a shop owner and recruiting new talent is so time-consuming. Promotive does the majority of the seeking and recruiting. They reach out to the candidates for you, and when they feel they are a good match for you and culture, they make the connection. They follow up throughout the interview process, and we make sure that the candidates are a good fit, and the shop is a good fit for the candidates. I admire that they genuinely want both parties to win. They recruited and paired us with a solid B-Tech and Master Tech. Both left a dealership position and are still part of our team. We are very happy with the character and culture match, and both technicians have become valuable team members. Visit our website at gopromotive.com today and join the growing community of shop owners who have found their ideal team members with Promotive. Let's go into what they talked about. And then at the end of this, we'll do my analysis and what I ultimately take out of this and what I expect for the near and distant future. So the first thing that they came out with, and you can read this, if you just Google ERTC IRS notice or IRS alert, something like that, it'll pop up. It's been picked up, obviously, by the IRS, but a bunch of other people have been paraphrasing it and having their own analysis as well. But the big thing that the IRS wanted to let people know is, hey, what have we been doing? What are we going to be doing? And why are we doing this? So the big thing that they came out with, as they said, just like I alluded to earlier, they are putting a moratorium on new ERTC claims until the end of the year. Now, I believe you can still submit these ERTC claims on this, but they're just not paying any out until the end of the year. They currently says they have over $500,000 ERT claims that are still being processed and that they had a significant wave of fraud or uptick in fraud in recent times. Now, which one of those is the big reason of why they're putting the moratorium down on this? I'm not really sure. 
Now, here we are in the middle of September. And so if they have half a million and the average claim has taken three to six months and they get no new ones in, then I would have to imagine that their idea is, hey, by the time we lift this moratorium and start processing claims again, that we are going to be all caught up because they've been on a backlog and the backlog has actually gotten better. But for about three years now, or really essentially since they created this program. Now, the line where they have talked about a significant increase or significant wave in fraud hitting them is the more surprising thing here. Because not that there's fraud going on. PPP, ERTC, anytime there's money, there's fraud, right? It's, there's no way to stamp this out. But it's just was curious on how they said the recent wave, like that they hadn't got any before. Either there has been a lot that have come through or they're just starting to notice to this or they're just starting to admit it. Now, I can't remember this was on what they said or an interview that they had with an IRS spokesperson after this. But what they were talking about is a lot of their kind of ill will and a lot of their kind of distaste for what's going on with is not at you, the taxpayer, or not even you as the person claiming the ERTC. It's these advertisers, it's these companies, or what they're calling them is credit mills. You've heard of the term pill mill for pharmacies that are just handing out opiates and stuff like that. The IRS has labeled these getrefunds.coms and other guys as credit mills because their words, they will, they'll accept anybody. Hey, your account won't do this. Your CFO doesn't want to do it. No one wants to touch it. We'll do this and we'll get money for you. And one of the things that they were mentioning there on why this fraud was happening now is they said, hey, if people knew about this, if people were qualified, they were already doing this months ago and maybe even years ago. And so what they're seeing now is really these telemarketers or these credit mills getting to the bottom of the barrel, their call list and finding people that either still had no idea about it, which must have been living in a cave or had always been told by everyone else that they do not qualify. It's like their number one sales pitch. Hey, you might have heard that you don't qualify. But there are new rules that you might not be aware of. Now, other than two years ago, they haven't really changed these rules whatsoever to make it any more lenient. So if you've been told by three other people that you don't qualify for it, and the fourth one says yes, it's probably not that 25% of them are right. It's probably that 75% of them are right. And you do not qualify for this. Also, I think that the IRS is really regretting doing this credit whatsoever because this is a massive amount of money. They don't give out the exact amount of money that they've given out to people, but they do release how many that they've processed. And so that they said that they have processed 3.6 million ERTC claims. Now, I don't know if that's per quarter. I have to think that would include all seven or eight quarters, however many you did. And let's just say that they got $50,000 each. I can't even do that on my calculator. It comes out as an error. This is so much money that is going out there that I think the government is even getting leery about this. Remember, the government that is paying out this money is the same government that is $33 trillion in debt and running a 2 or $3 trillion budget deficit on a normal year without paying all these credits out. Now, you might be saying to yourself, Hunt, why don't they just cut this off? Why don't they just stop this like they did with PPP? PPP was not a tax credit. PPP was a government program. Government programs can have funding and when they run out of funding, they go away. This is a tax credit. Tax credits don't generally go away unless they are repealed. Now, the tricky part about it is if you repeal stuff, how do you repeal it so that you stop anyone from getting it in the future and not address the people that have already gotten it? There is a lot of stuff that is going on here with ERTC that is just really uncharted territory. 
We don't know what's going to happen. We have guests. We have ideas on this. But really, a lot of this is we just have to wait and see. Now, like I said, when you read this press release and you read the interviews from the IRS, this is not, again, when they're mad at small business owners. Really, they are very angry at these credit mills because of their advertising, because of their sales tactics. I've heard this stuff firsthand about how belligerent some of these salespeople can be to really pressure my clients into doing it when they don't feel confident with it or they don't feel comfortable in the position that they're trying to claim to get this credit. Now, why are they being so pushy? When some of these are taking 30, 40% credits on this or fees on this, so if they got my client $150,000, then that salesperson's probably making 50 grand in commission. You're going to tell me that he wants a little bit of pushback? Think about how hard that used car salesman or new car salesman is pushing you to buy that car and he maybe stands to gain a couple thousand bucks. Now, flash forward to the same thing of someone that's probably hungrier and not as much experience, pushing on something to make him a $50,000 commission. Yeah, this is probably going to get ugly and it has. And speaking of those commissions, that is one thing that the IRS really does not like whatsoever is what they call contingent fees. Hey, if the IRS says no, we don't take any money. If the IRS says yes, we get our money. IRS does not like contingent fees. It is allowable in some circumstances, but generally anything related with taxes, the IRS does not want to be a part of. Why? Because they feel that you should be charging your fee based on what you know is right. It should not be changed based on what the IRS ends up doing. And what I mean by that is this. Let's say that I am going, and I'm not going to use ERTC because it's too literal. It's the exact situation here. But let's say I'm going to go and I am going to file a tax return for a client. The IRS does not want me to go and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to file a tax return for you. I'm going to get you 20% of your refund. Because then what does that have an incentive for me to do? Does that have an incentive for me to follow the IRS tax code by the book and make sure that I'm doing everything correctly? Or am I financially incentivized for getting a higher refund? Obviously the latter. And this is exactly what's going on with these. If you're getting 25% of whatever I get from the government, if the government gives me nothing or I don't qualify, you get nothing. The government does say I qualify and I get paid, you stand to gain 50 grand. Again, money is really muddying the waters here and making people do stuff that is not correct. Now, again, I don't want to be sounding the alarm bells and say, hey, you guys are all getting this thrown out. You guys are all going to jail and all of these people preparing this are not. Just like anything else, there is a spectrum, right? There's a range. And I've seen a lot of these guys from dealing with my clients because like I said, we don't do a lot of ERTC claims and we have a ton of auto repair shops that have gotten them. Some of these guys do a lot more research and a lot more due diligence than others, right? Asking the right questions, documenting this stuff. Because if the IRS ever comes back, they're not going to be satisfied if you say, yeah, I got it. I qualify for it. They're going to say, why? How do you know? Well, some of these firms are giving out 30, 40 page reports specifically for my clients. Hey, here's what the trends were. Here's what was different. Here's how the supply chain was affected. And here's how that's making material difference. Again, the IRS could still look at this, read it up and down and say, we don't like it, we're going to throw it out. But if you have the backup documentation, if they've done this stuff right, it's not the most rock-solid law that they've written. There's a lot of gray areas to it. And again, one of the big reasons why I think that they're kicking themselves in the butt because they know that they messed up a little bit here. Now, what are these new safeguards that they're being put into place? I don't know. And we won't really know for a couple months. And is this going to be directed at us or the companies that are preparing it? Now, one of the things that I've been saying from the start of this is 
how they're getting you to claim this credit is a weird one too. Even weirder than PPP, which was fairly easy, you at least have to give them the backup documentation. We had to give them the payroll reports. We had to give them the sales reports to prove that stuff. Now, did they look at that every time that they were rubber stamping these PPP applications? Probably not, but we had to send them all the stuff that if they wanted to, they wouldn't have to audit you. They'd already have your information to see if you did the credit correctly. Now, the people that you see on the news that gave them fake payroll reports, yeah, in audit, they found out that, hey, this $3 million of payroll was all complete BS. For the ERTC, it's exactly the opposite. It just looks like you're amending a payroll tax return, just like if you messed up someone's paycheck. You don't have to tell them that you're claiming ERTC. You don't have to claim them how you're qualifying for ERTC. You don't have to tell them which employees qualified and which ones didn't. You don't have to tell them how much of that went to PPP or went to R&D credit and how much went to ERTC. All you're telling them is, hey, I messed up. You owe me 30 grand. That's pretty much it. So in order for them to do any more digging on this, they're going to have to reach out to people and start learning more about this. Now, I've been saying from the start that People out there that do this stuff legitimately. I like to be creative. I like to help out my clients. But at the end of the day, I'm going to make sure that I'm keeping my clients legal. No one wants to go to jail. Making sure that we're crossing our T's, dotting our I's, and making sure that we're doing the right things the right way. And a lot of people out there are doing ERTC the right way and making the proper backup documentation and work papers. And they're calling for the same thing. Hey, you know what? When we submit these ERTCs, we're already doing the backup works. We're already doing the work papers. We're already telling you how we qualify. I'd be happy if the IRS was asking us to include this stuff before they process this. Why? Two big reasons. One of those is, hey, I don't want my money getting squandered by someone out there taking a fraudulent ERTC claim. We complain about the national debt. We complain about the budget deficit and all this stuff. Would you be happy to know that there's a guy in Atlanta or in Dallas or wherever it is just cranking out fake ERTCs and getting hundreds or millions of dollars from the government? No. Part of you is obviously the Robin Hood of rob the rich and, and give it to the poor. But the thing that's a little bit different here is when you steal money from the government, you're not stealing money from the government. You're stealing it from us. We all fund the government gives money out. This is money out of our pocket either now or down the road. That's why I told people, hey, if, if you're against taxes going up, then you better be against ERTC because how the heck are we ever going to pay for this if we don't increase our taxes? I have to imagine that some of these safeguards are going to be in place on the actual preparers of these, of having to prove a little bit more before they just send the money out because I have not seen a single document request before they've sent the money and approved this. It's pretty much like, hey, make sure it's filled out, make sure the correct person signed it, stamp, send the money on our ways. Another thing here is I think that they're going to crack down on some of these advertisers on how they're advertising and what methods and kind of some of their tactics. Now, the weird part is they don't have a whole lot of legal standing here because the IRS has legal standing, has a lot of input for CPA firms, licensed CPA firms. There's certain things that we're allowed to say, certain things that we're not. Now, these credit mills are just companies. You do not need to be a CPA to prepare an ERTC. They don't propose that they're CPAs. They have CPAs on staff. They have CPAs and lawyers that they reference with, but it's not their actual business. So I'm curious of how the IRS would have any legal standing to go after these private entities and say, hey, you can't advertise, you can't sell in this way, shape or form. 
But as we've seen over the years, government overreach is never something we should be super surprised about. But all in all here, the overall tone of it was, hey, we're serious and we're going to look into this. Now, what does that mean? What does that look for the future as far as claiming this stuff? It's too early to tell. As of right now, if you have not got ERTC yet, there's no rush because you probably can't do anything for the next three and a half months or so. But make sure you qualify. Make sure you're with someone that you feel is doing this in a professional ways, is satisfying all of the record requirements to make sure that you don't have an issue down the road. Now, like I mentioned also in the intro to this, they have claimed that they are starting audits of this. Now, the IRS generally doesn't release many audit statistics. I'm sure that they will start doing this in the future if there's been enough of them. Because really the only reason they release statistics is probably for the press of it. Hey, we've just this month, we've audited 10,000 businesses for ERTC. No other government agency is saying that. But why are they doing that? They want to scare people, make sure that people aren't messing around or or look like, hey, you don't try and do anything because we're going to be able to catch it. The scary part here is like I talked about before, 3.6 million ERTC claims is what the IRS is saying. Now, I think that probably sounds low but that's neither here nor there. How is the IRS physically going to audit that many people? It is a very complicated credit. This is not something that can be just done in two hours by an IRS agent. Some of these IRS agents, especially for some of these bigger companies, this is days, weeks, months that they're going to be looking at these audits. And how are they going to touch any number of those? I have no idea. Also, which ones are they going to go after? They're going to go after the small ones, they're going to go after the big ones, the medium-sized ones, or just a random assortment. Who knows? But they have claimed that they've started. The IRS actually has a criminal division, which some people are surprised to hear. It's not often used people for the ERTC. Now, the good news, or I guess bad news for the select few that did not win, is all but 15 of them, they dismissed it, meaning no criminal charges. Doesn't mean that they still didn't get a tax bill for that audit, but they were not charged criminally. 15 of those were charged criminally, and four of those were actually ended up being convicted. It's very hard. It's going to be very hard for the IRS to win on a lot of these just because there's so much room for interpretation. Now, I've told my clients this, but the big thing here is you're arguing with the government. You're arguing with the House. So, yeah, they do have certain things that they have to meet and thresholds, but they also write the rules here. And as we've seen on really anything that came out of COVID or really anything recently, the IRS doesn't like something and the SBA or Treasury doesn't like something. They'll just change it and say, hey, here are the new rules. Get used to it. They also mentioned something in here, which I think will probably not be used very much, is essentially like an amnesty program where they're going to roll out here a big program to scare people into paying this back if they feel like that they've done this wrong. And a lot of states and municipalities do this for sales tax sometimes to drum up some money. So it's scary to see the federal government do this because this is usually a money grab when they do this. But essentially send out a lot of notices like, hey, we know you got the RTC. We know a lot of people maybe were led astray by some of these companies. If you feel like you're one of them and you want to send us the money back, here's our address. Send the money back. No questions asked. A lot of people are going to do that. I'm sure some should. If you've knowingly filed an ERTC claim that was fraudulent, you should be spending the money back. I'm pretty sure that you're probably not going to send that back. You knew it before. You got the money. Why would you send it back now? There could be some people that were misguided completely, that didn't know the risk that they were involved in, or maybe just a little bit more risk adverse that want to send it back. But I don't think a lot of people would probably be interested in that. Now, the reason I even mentioned that is, again, ever in my life, I've seen the federal government do an amnesty program to that magnitude. 
Really, the only time in my work experience that I've seen an amnesty program like this is when they started cracking down on foreign investments and foreign bank accounts. And they still have that amnesty program to a certain degree. But with foreign reporting requirements, 20 years ago, I could have a bank account in uh, the Cayman Islands and I didn't have to tell the government about it. Now, obviously, if I was using it illegally to dodge taxes and stuff like that, yeah, I should have told them, but I'm not going to report myself. But let's just say I had $1,000 in a Cayman Island bank account. Genuine nothing, not getting interest, no money laundering. I don't know how I got it, but it's there. 20 years ago, I didn't need to tell the government. If the government found out about it, they would say, okay, yeah, you got it. No worries. You're not doing anything crazy. It's a thousand bucks. Who cares? Like three, four years ago, it was probably four or five years ago because it was a couple of years before COVID. They came out with really strict rules on this because they still don't have great reporting on figuring out who is holding these foreign bank accounts. And they haven't really been able to figure out a way to find out because obviously by nature, they try and make them harder to find. But what they did is they really ramped up the penalties for the fact of not reporting them. So even if it is all legitimate, and let's use that example of the $1,000 in the Cayman Islands, if the IRS found out that I had that, I didn't notify them. I think the maximum fine on there is like tens of thousands of dollars. It's massive. Essentially, what they're doing is they're scaring people into telling them about this stuff so that they get nervous and they stop doing it. It's smart. They don't have the manpower to look at everyone so that they can get people honest with some threats. Then they're going to do it. That is the only other time I've seen this amnesty program. And really, in that situation, you weren't even given any money back. It was just essentially saying, hey, is amnesty and telling us that these bank accounts exist? And that means that we will not go after. We will not look into it. But you're just saying, hey, I should have told you a year or two ago. I didn't. Here it is. This one where you actually have an amnesty program to pay the government back money, unheard of. Pennsylvania did this a couple of years ago to drum up some money for sales tax. They sent out these really scary letters to a lot of my clients, specifically in like southeastern Pennsylvania. Hey, we've noticed suspicious activity, not only by your business, but a number of similar businesses in the area. And this is right from the government of Pennsylvania, not fake. And they said, according to our records, we think that your sales were actually X, which means that they were underreported by X. Now, I called one of these agents and my first client got it. We ended up having five of our clients in southeastern Pennsylvania get these. And I called the agent up and I said, hey, this person pays this stuff by the book. They did like 1.2 million in sales last year. Why are you saying that you think that they're underreported by like 1.4 million? Like they don't even touch that much money, let alone non-taxable. And he goes, honestly, I don't really that they did this, but essentially they're just tripling whatever you reported in taxable sales and saying, hey, we think it's this much hoping that someone's going to get a guilty conscience and say, oh, they're on to me and report this. But really, they had no information behind it. They had no case. They had no idea who was doing this or not. And so that's why they offered the amnesty. Part of you might be looking at that as saying, hey, if they're throwing an amnesty out there, they must be knowing, hey, we're not going to get to all of this. It's just not physically possible. So we'll catch some in classical audits. We'll catch some in amnesty and we'll see. Now, to wrap it all up here, a couple of kind of cool things came out of this as far as information on how the IRS will audit this. Now, you might be saying, Hunt, this is not cool information. No one wants to talk about this. But this has been a question I've been asked by a lot of people. How long is the statute of limitations? How long can the IRS come back and ask me for information here? Generally, the IRS statute of limitations is three years from the due date of the tax return. For the last tax return, which would be the third quarter of 2021, the payroll tax return that you actually file to get the ERTC claim, the statute of limitations would run out on that of April 15th, 2025. 
So like about a year and a half from now, which is pretty close. Now, there's another thing that the IRS can argue. Remember, we're going against the house here and they can file a suit up to two years after they pay you. For most people, that two-year mark is probably going to be the longer number or the number that will probably be relevant. If you got your ERTC money today, then essentially September of 2025 is past the two years of payment. Technically, the IRS cannot go after you. Now, there is stuff that extends the statute of limitations. We're not going to get into tax law and, and really put you to sleep here, but there's stuff that they can open it up. Generally, the IRS is very cautious to going after stuff that is outside that statute because it's a lot harder. They do have laws that they need to follow. It's a lot harder for them to justify this. And also, again, if someone really wants to fight this and takes it to tax court, they could get this thrown out just like a criminal case of, hey, you guys had no reason to even be looking at this. Not that it was done right or wrong, but you shouldn't have been looking at this because it was after the two-year period. So more or less, you got the RTC money. There's a two-year waiting window where you're probably in the crosshairs of this. Now, do I think that if you got 50 grand, they're going to come talk to you? No, I would really be surprised if they're talking to anyone that got less than a million bucks just because of how many high amounts they threw out there. You could have 100 employees and get this. So there are some pretty big checks being cut. Now, there is some talk that they're going to possibly extend that two-year period. I think that there is a current proposal in there for next year that would actually extend the period, give IRS more um, time to challenge this stuff. I'm not sure how much that longer they could extend this for where it would even be practical. Yeah, this is great. You extend it out six years. You go and you do that audit. You find out that Steve's plumbing should not have got $300,000, but Steve no longer operates a plumbing business. That's all closed down. He moved out of state. Hey, you got the 300. You can put whatever judgment you want on it. You're not going to get any money. And revenue agents, IRS auditors are there to collect money. They don't put people in jail. That's a completely separate department. So if you don't have any money, they don't have anything to win. Now, the big thing that has not come out, and I'm not going to mention any names, but there is a couple big players in this space as far as people that are filing these employee retention tax credits. I think what everyone is most interested, myself included, is to see how hard the IRS is going to go after these guys. Because like I said, their advertising tactics have already drawn ire from them, how they're qualifying people, how they're charging people they're already pissed off about. And why would I go after one business when I could go after one business that filed 3,000 ERTC claims and go at it that way? I think that there will be a couple of these businesses that they really hang out to dry and they prove an example out of. Now, the same time that I said this, there was a lot of people out there doing fraudulent PPP claims, a lot of these same credit mill um, type entities doing this, and even some of the same people. And I haven't heard of a single one of those kind of getting strung up too bad at all. So maybe not. Again, they're going to have a lot of deniability on this stuff. Hey, we didn't do this. The client told us X, Y, and Z. Also, they should be insured for malpractice and stuff like that because not every CPA is perfect. People could have mistakes. People could have their staff make mistakes on it. We just have to wait and see. All in all here, the big takeaway is I wouldn't say that the end of ERTC is coming, but the end is in sight. There's a couple deadlines that start the early part of next year that truly start to have some of this stuff being phased out. Like one of the original periods of this, which is generally the smallest period anyways, that starts to phase out or you pass the time where you can even amend that next spring, right? About May of next spring, that starts to go away. So naturally, this program is going to be wrapping up here in the next year or so anyways. 
but it could see an even more untimely ending if the IRS decides to not reopen this moratorium. Again, as a tax credit, it's weird. I don't think that they can technically just stop it, but all of this stuff is weird. All of this stuff is uncharted territories. We'll just have to wait and see. So as always, please share with friends. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, please shoot me an email at podcast at Thanks again for listening on Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on aftermarketradionetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listing app. Thanks again for joining me on Business by the Numbers. Stay safe out there, and I will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.